All right, everybody. Good evening, and welcome to The Flying Camel. We're here in downtown Hagerstown. If you're listening, this is going to be recorded on for a minor detail podcast, so we're really excited about that. Now, a, a quick preamble. My, If you see our new sound equipment here, that is, I'm sure by the end of the night, the our panelists, um, who, whom we'll introduce in just a moment, their ears will be bleeding. I went out and bought this off of Amazon, and my wife... She gets this package at home, and she says, what the hell is this like thing that I can't even live because my wife is 4 foot 11 and 98 pounds? And she said, what did you buy? And I said, well, I bought the future of podcasting. And she goes, well, I thought you just needed a microphone. She, so here we are tonight, and uh, we have some new sound equipment. This is being broadcasted live on uh, Facebook Live. So we're going to turn this into a multimedia experience. Uh, my name is Ryan Miner. I'm the host of a Minor Detail podcast, and I write at a aminordetail.com. Just a little brief bit about me. I started doing this, um, let's see, back in 2015. Um, <laughs> I ran in loss for the Board of Education, and then I said, well, I want to stay involved in something, so I started this, and then this hobby turned into much more than I thought it was ever going to be, and so here we are today. Um, I'm very very lucky about the precipitous growth that we've had through the website um, and through the podcast. And I'm, every Thursday night, I'm in Harry Brown's in Annapolis. Uh, we're covering the Annapolis Beat with MarylandReporters.com editor and publisher Lynn Lazarick. So we are at Harry Brown's at 7 o'clock, and we have some new guests. Uh, the idea behind what we're doing here today is pretty simple. We, here in Washington County, People have a lot of questions about county government, and what better than to have a Smithsburg Town Councilman and the former county administrator to join us. So we're going to continue this as a series, and we're going to talk about business development. We're going to talk about infrastructure. It, it's going to be a, an ongoing conversation, and we're very gracious to have our host, Julie, of the Flying Camel. And if, th if this is your first time here, and I know I see many faces who are familiar, this is a great spot, and I hope that this place takes off. I really do, and it's really starting to. The buzz is out, Julie. The, there's, it's not a secret anymore, so I hope that uh, it really takes off, and I encourage other groups who are interested in doing events here to, to take advantage of this great space in downtown Hagerstown. Um, a, a little business before I begin. Um, I, uh, two things. One is that, um, and, and on a personal note, um, my, very sadly, my wife just lost her father, and uh, we've, we, as a family, we've been dealing with that. So my wife, Kim, is a, if you, most of you have met her, she's wonderful. So keep her in your thoughts and prayers, if you could. Um, so she's, um, she's at home right now with the kids. Um, and, and secondly, uh, I, I'm, I'm new at this, so forgive me for, for trying, but um, we are, as a minor detail grows, and we're really growing. We're, we're trying to bring news to 23 counties in the state of Maryland. And that's exactly where we're going to stay. We're not going to go national, You're, although you might see me in New Hampshire sometime soon because John Delaney, the former congressman, invited me to come visit with him. So I said, all right, sure, John, I'll take you up on that. But I'm going to stay right here in Maryland and cover news that is relevant to Maryland, state government, local government. 
And people always ask me, why do you cover so much Washington County news? And I say, there's a hell of a lot going on here. There's always something going on in Washington County. And I had a friend, I had lunch on Friday, and he said, I, I would have never known what's going on without reporting from a minordetail.com. And like most of Montgomery County is just appalled by some of the things going on in, in, in Washington County. But we'll talk about that later. But what I'm getting at is that if, if uh, I, I put up a, um, a funding source for a minor detail, we're trying to expand. Um, and it, of course, this right now is a hobby for me. I have a, you know, the job pays the bills, but um, we're, we're going to keep seeing how we can grow this. And I think it's important because I think we're on to something here. And it's really cool because you're all part of this. And we're going to take this statewide and continue to do some cool stuff like these podcast events. So um, if I'm really bad at asking for people for anything, um, but except for showing up today. So you two are, I'll ask you guys. But if, if you go to a minordetail.com, you'll see there's a, a funding page. And if, even if you give a dollar or $2 or $5, that goes a long way um, to, to helping us expand. So that's a little bit of business. But tonight, the main attraction, uh, we're going to talk about what is going on in Washington County government. Most of you are Washington County citizens. Most of you are well in tune of what is happening here in the county. You read the newspaper, you show up to events, you may have been candidates yourselves. I see some friends from CatPAC uh, who are very well involved in this community. So there's been a lot happening and we're gonna break it down tonight from, uh, from a perspective of people who are truly once we're on the inside, we're still on the inside, and we're gonna have an honest discussion about it. And so I'm gonna first introduce former Washington County Administrator, Greg Murray, and we have Smithsburg Town Councilman, Donnie Souders. Gentlemen, thanks for doing this tonight. Really appreciate it. And can we do a quick mic check? I think you... Test, test. Okay. Test. Okay. Greg, you might wanna... Can you try again? Test, test. Okay, perfect. Okay. Greg, what I want you both to do is to give a, a brief intro into your professional career and talk about uh, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into the crux of our conversation. So, Donnie, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Um, again, thanks for the invite to be here. Thanks for everybody that took the time to come out here on a Sunday evening. Um, as Ryan said, um, my name is Donnie Souders. I am the vice president of the Smithsburg Town Council. Um, first elected in 2008, served two terms, had to get off for a little bit because I moved out of the jurisdiction, and then ran again in 2016 and then was appointed or selected uh, by the town council to be its vice president again. So I've served uh, that role since 2016. Um, also, here in the last uh, few months, we've elected our first mayor in 20 years, so it's given me a chance to work with the new administration uh, to try to move Smithsburg into a new direction. Um, outside of that, um, I started, my first campaign was in 2005, ran for Hagerstown City Council, never got out of the Democratic primary. I think that year there was 10 candidates that ran, uh, so I didn't get out of the primary. Then after that, in 2006, uh, was elected to the Democratic Central Committee where I served as its treasurer for three years. Um, so at that same time, like I said, I ran in 2008 to get on the Smithsburg Town Council. Uh, love it. Uh, love being engaged with the, uh, the public of Smithsburg, working to make our community better every day. My real job, I'm in sales, so I'm constantly traveling. Now I have the state of Maryland and Delaware, so I get to see from 
the western mountains all the way to the eastern shore. And um, I also officiate high school and college basketball. So I've really given myself the glutton of punishment, um, you know, as far as politics, marriage, and a sports official. So I'm, I guess I like making everybody mad at some point in time. Uh, but I really look forward to uh, speaking with Greg and listening to what he has to say and, 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 and adding what I can into this conversation. And again, I want to thank everyone here, uh, Julie, you and your staff and, and your business, and Ryan for the opportunity to speak. So thank you. You're up. That's what you don't want. <laughs> well, first of all, I have to say uh, I thought we were going to be here in silhouette tonight with voice uh, scrambling microphones so no one knew who we were when we were talking because it seems like it seems like uh, everyone seemed to be interested and sound the alarm when he said we were going to be talking about county government. So, Dan, thank you for that. But uh, actually, I was with local government for 35 years. Uh, I was the county administrator for the last 10 of that. Uh, was very pleased to be able to raise my family in Washington County and do what I could to uh, help support the county, the municipalities which are a big part of uh, Washington County and our Washington County also, which people seem to forget, and uh, worked the last 10 years specifically through one of the greatest recessions we've had to help Washington County stay on its feet and uh, be able to do things that I think without uh, good management and a board of commissioners during those times that were able to support the initiatives that were needed that Washington County could have uh, floundered and done a lot worse and going the way of many of the other counties in the state of Maryland. So in that 35 years time, you know, I've done everything from uh, scrape rust off tanks to uh, be county administrator. So pretty much started in 1982 where there was an opening and have done a little bit of everything in between. And that's one way you get to know what a great group of employees Washington County actually has because that is the backbone of the county, just like with the municipalities, the city of Hagerstown and there are 477 employees. There's a lot of good people around here working for government. And we need to keep that positive attitude and that positive spin in county government, city, municipalities going so that we can continue to accomplish things, not only locally, but at the state level and beyond, because that's where really we need support so that things, especially financially, can come down to the counties and the municipalities so we can make things happen. All right, thank you, that was good. Now we know what you guys do. Now we're going to solve some problems tonight, or at least talk about them. So I, I want to talk about several topics that are in the, in the news that are dominating county government at this time. And I want to say, in full disclosure, I did alert the county. I did tell some people that we would be here. And as often as I try to no avail, uh, when I reach out to comment to the county administrator or to the county's chief operating officer, I don't often get a response. In fact, I don't think I've ever gotten a response. And that's okay. I, they, they're very protective of the brand and the image, but um, I have invited them to make comments or to at least contribute some sort of, sort of position to the conversation um, but I will give credit to the county employees, especially the public relations staff, Danielle Weaver. Um, they are always responsive. They have always helped out um, when I had a question or had sought a comment. So, um, but let's get right into it, gents, okay? So we're gonna go through a series of questions and issues. Um, so Greg, I wanna start with you. 
Um, a lot of folks seem confused about the Cascade Town Center project, particularly since uh, it became conflated with the sexual harassment case against retired former county commissioner Leroy Myers. Could you give a background synopsis of the project and its current status? Yes, well, certainly. Uh, should I do it in Korean or English? Because <laughs> actually, you might I, want to start with Korea. Well, actually, I only know about four words in Korean, and I know hello, goodbye, thank you, and spend money in Washington County. I can say those things. <laughs> Other than that, but you know, we started really on Fort Ritchie when you think about it, uh, when the base closure and realignment uh, came from the federal government, and for the last 20 years, we've been trying to do something with that property. And, you know, Penmar Development Corporation worked very hard to position that in a way that we could take what they had done and try to continue to move forward then. Uh, there were several large real estate companies, JLL was there. A lot of work went into making that base what it is so that it could be marketable. So from there, we decided that we would try to take another approach. And, you know, the other companies that always said, you know, it's not visible, it's not accessible. You need uh, someone that really wants to be there. And what we found uh, was that we had people that were investigating Washington County, especially after the new governor came in and uh, things started happening that went past Montgomery County and extended more into Washington, Allegheny, Garrett counties. Uh, we found that there were people interested in Washington County. And many of those people, uh, we found coincidentally, had worked with the state before and had some strong ties to Korea specifically in this case. Well, with that, we found investors that were interested in doing things that uh, Fort Ritchie had already done and were sitting there ready to be developed. They uh, developed specific projects in other countries that were an hour to two hours outside major cities. They wanted to be 400 meters above sea level where the healthy air is for uh, health and wellness facilities. Well, the parade field's 405 meters at Fort Ritchie worked out very well. They wanted uh, mountains to the rear to block the harsh winter winds, water to the front. You have the lakes, you have the mountains, you have everything that they spend uh, literally hundreds of millions to build sitting right there waiting for someone to come in and help redevelop. So that became very interesting and a lot of people became interested right away. From that, uh, we took that plan as county government. I didn't retire till, uh, till July 1st, 2017, June 30th. So we took that plan at the time and we started working on six different themes, which uh, were everything from institutional, where there were um, congruences with University of Maryland, for example, and institutes, uh, colleges that were in South Korea, everywhere from Seoul the whole way down through some of the major metropolitan areas. And we started working on MOUs, which were very important in the South Korean government because the state, for example, has an MOU with certain provinces there, and that allows money to flow from the federal government overseas down through the local governments to businesses and back into the United States and Washington County in this case. So with that and with those themes, uh, it became evident that there were several major investors and uh, there were several institutions, there were uh, hospital institutions, there were health and wellness centers, there were all kinds of things that were interested in this property and putting that together as a package. So we continued to move forward with that. Uh, we made several trips to visit the businesses, they made several trips to visit us, 
And unfortunately, uh, you know, if they were in Cincinnati or they were in Baltimore or wherever they might be, we'd visit them without hesitation. In this case, they were overseas and we still had to show them the good faith effort that we needed to visit them also. So uh, that's all been done to date. Uh, it's not been a drain on the tax dollars of Washington County. It's actually been done with more developer dollars that a previous developer, COPT, actually left uh, so that the money could be used to help develop that fort. That's been used quite efficiently and a uh, plan developed. So uh, in the first two years of that, uh, we went a long way. And then in the year prior uh, to my leaving, it became conflicted, as you said, with some other issues and the county sort of, uh, or after my leaving, the county sort of put a halt to much of what had happened and it became more a uh, paperwork quagmire and uh, second-guessing everything and just kind of stopped the uh, development process. Now, although it stopped on paper, it did not stop the developers and the people interested in investing from continuing to move the project forward. And trying to work out with the last board and especially the new board uh, how we can make that project still happen. So the development process continued. The county owned the property except a 63-acre piece that uh, in mid to late 17 actually transferred to the developer and um, with that they began to actually sign some MOUs and contracts to MOAs to get more specific on what would happen up there. Um, in intermingled with that there was an attempt uh, just to take a layer of government out of the process uh, literally to purchase the property and everything everyone saw on the paper about two buyers that wanted to purchase it and some of the issues that went back and forth communication time frames etc those buyers backed out and said you know we're not interested because we're not going to work that way but that was something that did not stop the development process itself that was just an interjection of capital that if someone could have bought it might have taken a layer of government out of it and made things easier. So that didn't stop anything that was already ongoing. So, you know, once they backed out, everyone said, oh, well, the project must be dead. Not so. All those uh, and more companies are now re-engaged and still proceeding just like with the uh, six facets that were in the plan previously. And that continues actually to build and grow in interest and uh, possibilities uh, to date even now with uh, a couple companies, Utilex, for example, that does immunotherapy, uh, gene therapy, that's cancer research that actually is in clinical trials in Korea now. They're a three-quarter billion dollar company. By the end of the year, they should be a billion and a half, and they're interested in setting up uh, their East Coast research facility and uh, corporate offices and talking uh, to Cascade Town Center about that. Obviously, their clinical trials are in several hospitals around the country that they're already establishing agreements with, so there's a lot of promise there. And, of course, uh, the people that were interested in purchasing and looking at the resort component, the health and wellness, the institutional, the retail component along the lakeside with the boardwalks, all that's still moving forward, as well as a, uh, a pitch that we made last October to, or not October, September, Whenever let's let's come back to that point. I want to yep. ask. I want to go over to Donnie. So, um, Donnie, you know, as a significant development uh, project that moves forward in Cascade, how do you envision growth in the adjoining community of Smithsburg being impacted, and what is Smithsburg doing to take advantage of this potential catalyst? 
Well, we just, if you saw on the paper here recently, uh, approved a feasibility study that uh, help with our economic understanding, not only of our downtown structure and infrastructure and core, but how the periphery and development in the county will help and or hurt our community. Um, our town government has been proactive. Um, as we talked the last time about the annexation of Cloverly LLC, um, that's just outside, it's annexed into the town, but it's not in the core center, it's, it's a little bit outside of town. Um, as we started to prepare for that process of the annexation, we kept in mind with what the county was trying to develop up at Fort Ritchie. Um, you know, there's going to be some impact. Um, change is one thing I think is the hardest thing to get people to understand, that it, it'll be different. Um, but it'll, no, it'll be no different than what it was 25 years ago when that base was actually fully optional, uh, operational with the influx of people coming in and out. Um, that were actually vital and essential to our community. So we looked at it as far as we needed to kind of understand where we were as a town today, where we'll be as a town in the next five to 10 years, and how that matches up with Fort Ritchie. We're trying to make sure that as we do this, our infrastructure is ready, um, we'll be well prepared, uh, as far as uh, traffic studies, uh, the developer for Cloverly LLC will be handling most of that as far as his development. Um, but we are working in a progressive fashion, and when I say progressive, I don't mean liberal. I just mean in a forward-thinking, advanced, yeah, i got to watch that in Smithsburg. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I said Democrat, right? Not too many of those get elected in Smithsburg, let me tell you. Um, but... Um, no, so we're trying to be a little more progressive, forward-thinking of how this is going to impact not just us um, as a community, but also from an economic point of view. And we think, you know, there's going to be some bumps in the way, but we think it's going to be a positive for our community. Okay, we're going to switch topics briefly, and then we're going to come back to this topic. But, okay, here's a big one. Greg, during the past election cycle, there was some discussions around ethics, uh, around cronyism. Corruption, conflict of interest, and employee morale. So w with your years of experience inside of Washington County government, what recommendations would you make to the new Board of County Commissioners? Well, not that that's a loaded question or anything, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the new board, new day, uh, hopefully, uh, we've got a good group of commissioners that understand what needs to uh, be done to continue to help Washington County prosper and have already uh, started to make some changes. For example, the makeup of the Ethics Commission. I think you know that's something that you know, one commissioner is uh, suggesting change and that could be a very good thing given uh, the use that the ethics commission has had in the last couple of years the, the ethics commission of course is the county board that oversees any ethical issues that uh that have to do with county commissioners and it, it, at this Complaints. point and i want to, to interject just parenthetically the ethics commission currently as it stands is appointed by county commissioners and often the ethics commission will hear complaints aimed at county commissioners by the same people who they are appointed by. Right. Now, obviously, you have to uh, uh, suppose that the people that are appointed are certainly ethical themselves, and that doesn't influence their judgment. But certainly, it, 
gives the appearance or the perception that it could be done better. The ethics ordinance itself, uh, when you look at that, that ethics ordinance really uh, revolves around the use of your influence in that position or if you have financial gain or that of another that you help provide financial gain, the, uh, the uses of that ethics ordinance could probably be expanded somewhat uh, so that that can be more, more accurately reflect the values of the community and what needs to uh, be in there that can actually be looked at as an ethics violation. Although it does meet the minimum requirements, nothing wrong with that. Uh, but again, just like uh, the Central Committee, for example, you know, no one really paid attention to it until it started getting used more frequently. Uh, Republican Central Committee, when we had, you know, a commissioner that left and another was a, uh, went to delegate and another was appointed, a commissioner that yeah, left. That was back and, in 2015, I believe. Uh, and another was appointed, you know, after the, right, after the elections in 14. And uh, all of a sudden, that Central Committee became very powerful in who they recommended, at least to the governor. Before that, people really didn't pay attention. You know, then all of a sudden they started, just like the ethics ordinance. So that's one thing that uh, I think can be changed. Another thing I believe people felt uh, was that there was a lot that happened that uh, may have been uh, unjustified or unfair, I'll say, and it made employees feel like they were either on the chopping block or, uh, and I'm not saying rightly so, but it made them feel that they were on the chopping block or be unfairly scrutinized or that there was always something that if they did wrong, they may be in jeopardy for their jobs. And right or wrong, it drove morale much lower. And uh, as I said before, we have a great group of county employees, a great group of city employees, and these people are out there working hard for the most part. And they need something that uh, gives them a lift in morale and says, hey, we understand who you are and what you are, and we're here to also help you as county commissioners. And I think, you know, there's a, a turn in that right now that uh, people are starting to see that, you know, these commissioners are focusing, that I'm not saying the others didn't, some of the other commissioners didn't support the employees, but they didn't focus on some of those needs. And I think they're starting to see that again now. And that certainly needs to happen along with uh, some changes in the ethics ordinance. So employees are a big thing. That's where your productivity comes from. That's where a lot of your cost is. That's where you lose time for uh, claims payment and sick time. That's where a lot of county government runs on their employee base. So that's something that really needs addressed also. Okay. Donnie, um, I know that Smithsburg had some concerns during the last county election that certain commissioners, they were interfering pretty drastically in some of the town issues. And you and I talked about that on a podcast um, back, I believe it was in September. And so I was wondering if you could address some of the concerns just in general about how towns protect the authority to serve their own communities. Well, um, before all that happened, and it mostly revolved around the annexation and then the wastewater treatment plant upgrades at uh, Smithsburg. You know, County Commissioner Leroy Myers at one point in time had made the statement to the rest of the county commissioners that the municipalities needed the support from the county commissioners to, to be autonomous, to be able to run themselves um, and not have the county so much in their business. So we at Smithsburg have always prided ourselves on trying to live up, you know, and I mean, I know Leroy Myers said that, but that's something that any elected body tries to do is to be able to manage themselves uh, to where you don't need uh, the, the county support per se to run day-to-day -day operations. Our frustration or a lot of our disheartening with the county commissioners happened to revolve around uh, 
um, the wastewater treatment plant upgrades that we felt were vital for the long-term strategic growth, uh, not just in terms of annexation, but in terms of economic development uh, for our community. As I stated earlier, we're, we're going through all the, the parameters to look at a feasibility study of what we can do and how we can best assimilate into the county's plan uh, for our growth. And a major component of that was this upgrade to the Smithsburg Wastewater Treatment Plant, which would have given our town much higher capacity for allocations and EDUs um, that development needs in order to be able to develop. So, you know, as we went through that process, the town manager went before the, the, the county commission and voiced um, our concerns with a possible delay of the wastewater treatment plant upgrades that had been um, something that had been talked about for years when Greg was a county administrator and Julie Pipple was there as well as in charge of the wastewater de uh, uh, department was something that had been on the books and actually we had worked with the county very well to kind of give them the the opportunity to extend that program out because of some things that we did internally as far as I and I and our infrastructure so we felt that we had been a good partner with the county and then at the last minute in discussions that were not ever relayed to our county government the town of Smithsburg our wastewater treatment plant upgrade was delayed um, to uh, sub to take uh, resources away from that to the north end transfer um, and Greg correct me if I misstate anything um, but to take the you know the dollars away from what we needed to other projects throughout the county and if it was only for one county commissioner that was reaching out to me about the discussions that the rest of the county commission with staff was having, town of Smithsburg would have had no idea what was going on. The disappointing part came when we invited the county commissioners to a work session in Smithsburg and Commissioner Baker and Commissioner Kiefer didn't either take time to read the report that was submitted from staff to them in regard to the delay um, or were just completely unaware of the delay proposal. Uh, and they came before the town council in Smithsburg in August to talk about the delays. Um, and like I said, uh, Commissioner Baker, President Baker at the time of the county commission, continued to say that he had no clue that there was any kind of delay that was uh, requested by staff. So as you can see, this is very frustrating. And this goes back to something I wanted to say to, to say to you after your first point of this introduction into this line of questioning. It should not be frustrating for a citizen like yourself or anybody else in this room to engage in its elected officials. Um, and it seems that here lately, and I understand that there's been a lot of subset of issues, you know, we talked about ethics and things like that that have, that have populated with the prior county commission, but that does not excuse elected officials from disengaging from their electorate and I feel that over the last probably two election cycles, it's gotten to that point where they have forgotten who they serve. Um, and it has become more of some of the words that you used at the beginning, cronyism and things like that. That's how we also felt at Smithsburg, that a lot of inside discussions were happening that didn't include us, uh, that were looking to take care of other business or other interest over ours. Um, and then to have elected officials come to a meeting to specifically talk about one issue that is vital to our community. And like I said, either were too lazy or didn't want to take the time to read their own report 
and then come back and tell me that, that we were incorrect in our assumptions, it's kind of disappointing and it's also frustrating. So um, I wanted to make sure that, that that was clear that we see it at the local level as well. Um, it, it has changed over the last few years. Would, would you say that, it, how long, let me ask you this, how long have you been on the, the town council? Uh, 11 years. Okay, so 11 years, and as, as we all know, we just elected a new mayor whose name is not Mickey Myers. Um, Correct. <laughs> so what is, what is the relationship now between your council and members of the commissioner board? Now, granted, we have had an election, and I'm going to switch topics in just a moment and ask Greg about this past election, but has the relationship improved? Have you had further conversations? You mentioned specifically commissioners Kiefer and Baker. And yeah, look, I, I heard from Smithsburg residents who reached out to me and said, they're just not listening to us. They have an idea of what we need to do for the treatment plan. And, and as you mentioned, they're not reading the materials in front of them. So how could they possibly be able to then do their jobs in accordance and, and then in tandem with the town council? Right. So has that relationship improved? Well, I mean, in all fairness to the new mayor, Jack Kesselring, you, you try to give him the opportunity to create his own partnerships and his own relationships with the elected officials that, that the town and community are going to have to work through long before I'm gone and long before any other council person or mayor comes in and out. So there has to be a partnership. However, at the same time, those, any elected body cannot feel as though they can take any vote or any community for granted. And throughout the annexation portion and throughout the wastewater treatment uh, plant upgrade issue, we were starting to feel as if, hey, we've done everything that the county has asked us to do. We've had a great relationship up to this point. And when Dan DeVito and Mark Bradshaw sat in our town hall in that August workshop and said, hey, yeah, they, they've worked with us over the years to, to make it easier and better for us, we thought, hey, it's, it's our time. You know, we're asking for something that, you know, is vital not only to us, but it was vital to the growth and strategic long-term plan for Washington County that, you know, it would only be, and I don't, I don't like to use the word fair, but it would be smart that we go ahead and look at the investment long-term. And then when that got shot down, it, it soured, you know, the, our, a little bit of the taste in, and we thought, okay, like you said, we got a new county commissioners that was going to be elected in November. Uh, the mayor seems to want to go down this path and see if the, you know, the, um, the oh, it slips my mind. What's it called? Um, the process, the um, biomag bio process. We're going to let the biomag process go through and see how that works. And the new mayor wanted to try that. And as just because I have a title of vice president, my authority does not supersede the mayor. I work on the behest of the people and the mayor of the town. So we were going to give that a shot. And then all of a sudden, and I don't know if this is on your agenda as well, all of a sudden we have another municipality in Washington County that asked for forgiveness of some money that, that they owe the county, like every other municipality in the county has to pay, um, to sit there and hear county staff and county commissioners say over and over again, it would not be right, it would not be fair to have tax and rate payers pick up the bill for this Smithsburg wastewater treatment plant upgrade, which again would benefit the entire county. It wouldn't be fair to make them pay for that in Smithsburg. And then, not but a few months later, you have the county commissioners in a non-public disclosed conversation and asked by a municipality, town of Williamsport, um, forgive a debt 
that this isn't the first time it occurred. It, this has been something that has whittled itself down. So the hypocrisy that ran amok um, was what frustrated us even more to the point of while we can't be upset at the town of Williamsport for asking for their forgiveness, we are extremely disappointed and upset that the same elected body, two of which are, got reelected in November, and the current county administrator sat in our, all, our council chambers and told us it would not be fair for other rate and taxpayers to pick up the cost of our upgrade to then turn around and expect rate and taxpayers to pick up the cost for Williamsport. It's completely hypocritical and it's completely frustrating and I think that's why there's more and more disconnects between communities like Smithsburg. I know we just signed on with a resolution to Sharpsburg um, to voice our concern and displeasure over this forgiveness to Williamsport. Man, that's a great pivot to the next issue, which is the Williamsport debt forgiveness. We have two of the brightest minds here in the county, our former county administrator and Councilman Souders. So, gentlemen, Looking around for somebody. Well, we also have a tin can going around. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> um, let's solve this crisis tonight, can we? I mean, is that possible that we can at least put out a solution or two to talk about the, the, the debt forgiveness issue? Tuesday could potentially be a big meeting for the Williamsport Town Council. And I would imagine that. Commissioner Klein especially is probably hearing some feedback from people. He lives in the town of Williamsport. So Commissioner Klein is probably under a lot of pressure right now to answer those questions. So there's this $169,000 forgiveness. Is, is that right, Greg? Uh, it was somewhere in there. It was a so ballpark. Yeah, 160. Yeah, that's okay. the last carnation of it. All but right. yes. But you, you alluded to it. And now I want to bring you two into a, a cross-conversation. So what is the solution to this debt forgiveness issue? I'm going to start with you, Greg, and then we'll switch over to Donnie. Well, this is such a multifaceted issue, and Donnie certainly touched on some of it when he talked about the treatment plan upgrade at Smithsburg. You know, the county has one system and one rate structure for different classes of customer in the system. Smithsburg doesn't... Uh, pay differently than Williamsport when it comes to a wholesale user. They pay the same amount. And they're both wholesale customers, as is the city of Hagerstown, uh, for some of the flow that they transfer over. So when you talk about is it you know fair or equitable, well, you know, the town of Smithsburg has also paid for decades, literally, for other things that go into the rate structure for the treatment capacity of a lot of these plants. So, you know, everyone's pretty much in the same game when it comes to that. So everyone owes you know, their, their piece of the pie, Smithsburg has to prepare a report and submit it every February that says here's how much we've increased in EDUs and here's the money we collected that we owe you. Same thing for wholesale users. So when it comes to uh, Williamsport, certainly uh, there have been concessions before because they've had uh, some of the same problems. And when it comes to this one, the way it was presented, there would in essence be a net reduction of $160,000 that the town would pay assuming that they had submitted their report last February, which I don't know if they did or not, if that added to it. But, you know, when you look at what was written in the paper and you look at what Mayor Green said, certainly there was a meeting the week before that, you know, the town had talked about with a couple commissioners and director of utilities and CFO and some agreements made. So they came in the next week, you know, under citizens participation instead of an agenda item. And that 
consistency and that uh, level that Donnie had talked about, I think, is what got a lot of people upset. And the underlying issue there was nothing you can really address uh, other the commissioners have to address that. And hopefully some of the new ones would be able to address that those type things don't happen. But as far as the amount, the dollar amount itself at $160,000, Mayor Green had said, you know, the paper printed twice that uh, in the next five years, the county has a contract with the town that it also uses their collection system for ports, portions of the county system that has to get back to its plant. So they pay the town of Williamsport an amount annually based on flow to do that, just like they do with Williamsport, you know, from out at the village square end and dumps into uh, Smithsburg system and they pay them annually and records have to be kept to make sure that's done, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you keep Absolutely. records, yes. county keeps records. So with the town of Williamsport, uh, Mayor Green estimated that would be 169,000 over the next five years, which would have been the term of their repayment. And it, the way the paper reported it said that, you know, that 169,000 would also be the forgiveness to the county, which makes it net zero. So then the county did not give anything away. The county also got 160,000 back just in a different method as far as a payment plan. Now, if that's the case, and that is what he said twice in the paper, then the county really needs to get them to put that in writing, modify their contract, say, yes, that's what I said, that's what I mean, here's your 160 back over five years, you won't pay us to use the collection system, which is really, you know, in a practical matter, nothing from them uh, as far as what it costs them. And then the county forgave the 160, they get 160 back, it's done. So there is no issue then with Sharpsburg, Smithsburg, et cetera, as far as the dollar amount. Right. Now, the underlying issues, that's a whole different thing. But as far as the dollar amount, there's no impact. There's no impact on the reserve accounts of, uh, you know, the water and sewer fund. And a lot of this, when you look at uh, some of what was talked about with the Smithsburg plant, right. uh, I think a lot of that was a knee-jerk reaction to try to say, are we going to be able to do something so we can say we've reduced the rates to the customers? I want to bring in Donnie here. What do you... Yep. What say you? Well, no, Greg and I talked a little bit before this, and, and what he says makes sense. And, and like he said, it's it's more of a – at this point in time for us, I'm look, I'm a process procedure kind of guy. As I indicated in my resume, I referee basketball. We have rule book. you got to follow the rules. Um, and we've had votes when I've been on council that, you know, even though it was good for the community, if we didn't follow the process or the procedure, I voted against it because I am a process and procedures kind of person. And, and Greg alluded to it before when he said every municipality is responsible for submitting a report with the EDU count and, and what they use in a year every February. Smithsburg has done that every year. To my knowledge, every municipality other than Williamsport has done that yearly. Okay, Or at least it hasn't caught up to them. Let me just clarify that. A wholesale customer. Wholesale customer, right. So the one point that I brought up to Greg was, look, I don't care if it takes five years, 15, 20 years, as long as it's a net zero and it gets back to paid where it was, that's something between the county and Williamsport. And as I said earlier on in my comment, I can't begrudge the town of Williamsport for asking for the forgiveness. Okay? We might, if we were in the same boat in Smithsburg, we may do the same thing. Where I drew the line or what angered me and some of our councilmen that, or council people that signed onto the resolution that Sharpsburg presented was the hypocrisy of it's not fair and equitable to make other ratepayers pay for our upgrade, again, which I say benefits the entire county, whereas this is only benefiting one select customer or one municipality. So 
one of the things that I pointed out to Greg was, where is the accountability after this? So if we wave the wand, we go back to net zero, is the county gonna put structures in place that this doesn't ever happen again with any rate customer or municipality? Um, and I believe Greg had mentioned that the county, as part of maybe their agreement, they would take responsibility over for Williamsport. That's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day. But, you know, as a citizen or a tax or a rate payer, I would want to make sure that this never happens again. So as a condition of whatever agreement the municipality sign, I would like to know what are the fail safes so that we don't get into this the next time. Because once you set this precedent, I'm another thing with precedent. You'll hear me if you come to a council meeting, and I say it a hundred times. When the precedent is set, whether good or bad, it's set. So if we're going to start creating these different avenues for ways to be, you know, accounting and, and responsibility to be rerouted around, then the concern becomes what are the mechanisms to protect the rest of the ratepayers that things like this never happen again? We're, yeah. getting, we're getting wonky. Yeah, I like that. I'm more about uh, the agreements. You know, the agreement says this is what you will do. You do it, they do it, whoever, and that's what the agreement says, so that's what you do. And it's, you know, developers, uh, municipalities, whatever. There's, you know, obviously people have their own. Funkstown has their own system. Hagerstown has its own system. Smithsburg has its own collection system. Williamsport has its own collection system. And then you have uh, someone like Sharpsburg that the county owns the water and sewer system and does all the billings and all the collections. So there's a wide variety of things here. But when you're a municipality that has a uh, charter and you have authority to do your own thing, so to speak, you know, based on the regulations of that, um, if you are going to bill people quarterly, you keep track of how many EDUs you have in your system. How many accounts do you have? How many, that's, that's not a difficult thing. So, I mean, when someone comes to Smithsburg and they say, we're going to pay you the money, I'm a resident of Smithsburg, I come in, I, you know, get a building permit, pay you the fees, you submit it to the county. I pay it to the town that I'm building in. So, you know, you go to Williamsport if that changes and you pay a collection fee to them, you pay a treatment fee to the county for you know capacity you pay a water fee to the town you it's it just it's not accordance with the agreement and it doesn't seem like something that has to be so complicated and i think in order to move forward in a positive method at least the financial end could be worked out quickly and easily and not have to get uh to a point where the newspaper has all the negative right. articles in because again you know, all these developers that can come to Washington County or Fort Ritchie or anywhere else, they read the paper and they see what's going on. And that's one of the things that's yeah. hindered it. Man, I should have gotten the president of WD WDVE here tonight. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We don't want to solve that. So, <laughs> And I think Mayor Brucci told him to stop, never call them again. Yeah. So I, I will forego talking about that issue tonight because I don't think any of us are going to solve that. Um, I, I want to switch directions. We've talked about some I mean, – these are, these are basic core issues that every town and council um, and county must – deal with day in and day out and to those who are listening and we we get an overview a high, more high level overview of what's happening from the you know based on the newspaper reporting and some of my reporting but um you know local government i no offense it's not it's not glamorous i mean this is not but this is the nitty-gritty of how local government serves its constituents and takes care of its taxpayers but i want to switch directions just a bit and 
just get your reaction to a few things that are happening inside of county government. First of all, the there's a there's somewhat of a new position, Greg, in the chief operating officer, right? And so when you were in county government um, at the helm, leading Washington County as its administrator, what was the? Did you have a, a chief operating officer who um, worked beneath you? Well, the uh, <clears throat> the statute, state statute for Washington County, basically says that the uh, county administrator is the chief administrative officer of the county, responsible for day-to-day -day operations under the general supervision of the commissioners. So the administrator is the person responsible for those day-to-day -day operations. So that's you know a daunting task in many cases, and you certainly. Uh, need someone other than you that you can rely on. In my case, I had an assistant county administrator, and that assistant county administrator uh, did not have direct line of authority uh, as far as supervision, but did have uh, some of the departments that needed more attention. Economic development was one. We wanted to make sure that that had the attention it deserved. Um, we didn't miss anything there. Also, things like the lobbying coalition that that person you know, focused on, uh, also, public relations, made sure that that person handled public relations. Uh, the amount of information that we generated in the time actually filled up a large room all over every wall and partly on the ceiling that we showed some of the new commissioners in 14 as far as all the, the uh, collateral that they had put out. So we had someone that was an assistant that handled all those type things, gave uh, specific detail, and then reported back and was a right-hand type person. Uh, What's the education requirement for that? Uh, typically, that would be at least a bachelor's degree. Uh, of course, the one at the time had a, a master's, an MBA. Okay. And uh, was very competent. She did a great job, and uh, we got a lot of things done. Uh, the, that switch to a chief operating officer, and more along the lines of what the Board of Education has, yet the Board of Education has a much larger structure, you know, 3,000 employees, and, you know, they, they have a much larger structure. So the chief operating officer, uh, when you look at the job description, at least that was put out, doesn't have uh, direct authority over a department and uh, does a lot of the same things that would duplicate sort of what the administrator does. So it's a different type structure that... Uh, the current administrator requested for uh, whatever reasons he had, but it is not the same as was there when I was the administrator. Okay, okay. And recently I reported, and then the Herald Mail picked it up, and I want to go to the point that um, the Herald Mail reported on some remarks made by new county commissioner court, Meinl Schmidt. And Commissioner Meinl Schmidt, a few weeks ago at a Tuesday meeting, referenced some issues about county employees who have complaints, personnel complaints. They are somewhat fearful to talk to their department heads or even so much as the commissioners. And to me, I, I don't think that's an effective way to run county government. I, I don't, and I'll get to you in a second. Okay. But I, I wanna point out that Commissioner Meinl Schmidt said that he made note in his commissioner remarks that employees are free to come to him if there's an issue, if there's a problem, because I can tell you, based on my reporting, my sources inside of county government, people, the employees, that is, they are afraid of 
retaliation, of possibly losing their jobs if they come forward. So much so that a county employee actually filed a grievance against the county, the chief's, the, uh, pardon me, the, the chief operating officer, and then in turn he filed a similar report or a grievance against this person. And I know this because county employees, instead of t getting resolution through the county process, are instead coming to me in the press. And that's not how county government should work, at least my perspective. I don't think that that's a good morale. And I think talking to county employees, and I've talked to many of them because they've reached out and they, they, they want to tell me things off the record, and I, and I won't, of course, share that. But they're concerned that the morale is severely low and that it's lacking based upon the leadership from the chief operating officer and the county's administrator. Donnie, do you want to respond to that? Well, not specifically, but I wanted to get, share a little antidote with the town of Smithburg because we've, we're set up in the same mindset. You, you have an elected body. We, we've just went to a town manager set up in the last three years where that person is responsible for the day-to-day -day operations of the town. Uh, the elected, even though the mayor is the chief executive of the town, it's really supposed to be the town manager that runs the daily function, is in charge of HR, payroll, the employees, they report to her. And we're kind of set up the same way with the government. And we just went through an exercise not too long ago, I'm sure it hit the paper, we had a councilman that had to retire or resign um, recently over some health issues that stem from some internal stuff that we were going through there. Um, but we went through and changed our personnel policy. We also went through and changed our complaint uh, procedure to include elected officials because the state of Maryland doesn't really include elected officials into a harassment or complaint policy. Um, so we hired an outside attorney with ex expressed knowledge of that um, realm and she guided us to where we wanted to give our employees that same thing. There was always concern, I'll go back to when I first got elected, and the, the verbiage in the charter was that department heads work for the, the pleasure of the mayor. And a lot of charters, old charters, will say that. We went through and changed that language so that it took a supermajority of the council to approve the firing before a department head could just summarily be fired because one, you didn't want to run the risk of not doing something that you thought was not you know, unethical or something you weren't supposed to do as directed by the chief operating officer. Or if you had a new election and you got a new mayor that came in and didn't like the chief of police, for example, and just wanted to summarily release or remove the chief of police, we didn't want it to become political positions that they were appointed by new administrations. So we changed the vernacular and the language in our charter. You had reference where, and I've made the mistake, when I first got elected, I told all employees, you know, you had a problem, come to me, we'll, we'll work it out. I've learned over time, the elected body is the legislative portion of this. Um, I, would, I would advise court, while listening to these complaints, to, to craft ways, whether it's legislatively or through directive ways, to make it so the employees can feel safer about making their complaint or bringing their issue forward. I would steer away from trying to be everybody's buddy just because of the fact you can't constantly and consistently adjudicate something if it comes up. Um, so while I value what court said, I would look at it like I said a moment ago in our same setup is to try to legislate those protectives in 
So it removes the elected body from the day-to-day complaint or the minutia of the hearings and things like that and let the system work itself through. Okay, fair response. All right, Donna, what time do we have? It's six o'clock. Six o'clock, okay. We talked about a lot tonight, and I know that all, okay, well, that's good. We like to be prompt. So I, I, I want to take this opportunity. Many of you have come out tonight, and I recognize your faces, and I know that some of the smartest people I know in county government are in this room, and I see you because I see you actively involved. So I want to open this opportunity for questions. Um, and if you have questions, you can just pop up. And if not, then we can keep the conversation going. But I'd be interested to hear from the audience who came out tonight. And by the way, they can't see this on video, but we do have a, a decent-sized audience here. I think anytime you get more than five people out on a Sunday afternoon, that's, a pro that's progress and that's success. So, and we definitely have more than that. So do we have any questions for Greg or for Donnie about county government, about what we discussed tonight? Okay. Well, come on down. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine right. that Donna would have a question about anything. What a surprise. <laughs> what a surprise. So, Donnie, you mentioned several times about process and procedure. And when I think of good local government, I think of no surprises, no cronyism, but good, transparent process and procedures. That seems to be a concept tough for the county and some towns to embrace. So both of you, and I'm, I'm, I'm concerned with that going forward, that we, we really need folks who understand what local government is about. It's not very sexy. It's not national. It's not state. It's about potholes. It's about utilities, water, sewer, trash pickup. And we need process that people can believe in. How do we get back to really serving the people of Washington County. Thanks, Donna. Donna, thank you. Um, and since we have a, a, a younger mix that just came in a little while ago, this is a good civics discussion to have. To the point after the election, when we looked at the results and I sent you a text, okay, the apathy in this county is probably first and foremost the first problem. Um, I can say at the local level, on a national level, I'm a Democrat in about 90% of my thinking. At a local level, when you get down to county commission, you get down to your state delegate, you get down to your town council, I vote for who I think is going to make the best impact of my community going forward. So just in this last election, I voted Democrat, I voted for a Republican, I voted for an Independent, because I thought those individuals could make a better difference in our community than the current makeup of what we had. I think sometimes we get locked into R&D way too much. And, and to me, I think the election results show that um, because as a Democrat in Washington County, I thought this was the first time in a long time we had very qualified Democratic candidates on the county commissioner ballot and we couldn't even get a sniff, yes to the top five, okay? 
So I think the first portion of this is voters, you know, the definition of insanity is constantly doing the same thing over and over again. Stop electing the same type of good old boy, take care of each other, the pocket in, you know, in the pocket of the same developers of Washington County, because while that's great now, and like Greg said a, mo a moment ago, people are watching. So if they see us as this small, small thinking, and again, I'm going to use the word progressive, not thinking forward county, they're not going to come. It will stop at the Frederick Washington County line because they see us as still living, you know, in, you know, in the 1700s when Hager found it, you know, it, we're still there. Um, so it starts with, you know, being engaged, um, getting out and, and supporting candidates. Um, one of my biggest things when I was on the Democratic Central Committee was trying to work, even though most local elections are nonpartisan, getting more, at that time, Democrats onto town councils yeah. to get experience yeah. to run countywide and then to run statewide. Um, but again, it starts with the voter. The voter has to make the change. We talked about this issue, this topic that I'm going to broach here during our last panel discussion on December 2nd. We talked about hyperpartisanship. Okay? It's an issue that I think is, we can all agree that infects our political culture at the top. We see it at the national level. Look, we just went through a, what, a 35-day shutdown over a, a campaign promise. And here we are today where federal workers missed two, two paychecks. I mean, we're talking about real people with bills, with expenses, with loans, with gas, utilities, federal workers who are going to food banks. It shouldn't happen like that. It, it, we should not hold hostage any form of government over politics. And I, I, I think that Washington County is a great place, place to live in. And I, I want to talk just briefly, too, about economic development. But we have a great community. I will always love where I came from. I will never forget where I came from. Grandfather was born and raised. I mean, I, I'm like a fifth or sixth generation Hagerstonian. This will always be home to me. But I'm, I'm somewhat, I guess, disappointed in the, in the conversation, the toxicity that has infected even our culture of politics locally, and at, at the council level, at the county level, Greg. And especially in this last election, you mentioned that we had qualified candidates and forget their, their partisan status. It's just a letter next to their name. People presented great ideas, and they weren't heard simply for the fact that they had a D next to their name. And I think that that, where are we in our country if we can't listen to one another based on the, the party that we're registered to? And that, to me, says that we have a real problem. And it, and it happens here and in Washington County in so much as that it's an all-Republican county commissioner board. And, and, I, and there's some really good people in, in public office. I just want to preface it with that. But... We elected virtually the same people. No women, no minorities. What kind of county do we want to be? What kind of county do we strive to be here in Washington County? And how do we, how do we move this conversation forward that, that goes beyond the conversation of are you a Republican 
or are you a Democrat? And then sometimes, as you know, that's when the wall comes up. I mean, that's when the wall and the barriers come up. So I, I, I want to see your opinions about hyperpartisanship and have you experienced that inside of county government, Greg, and inside of uh, the Smithsburg Town Council, Donnie. Um, Greg, do you want to start, and then we'll go over to Donnie? Certainly. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm a Republican myself, and I've been all my life. Let me move over. Uh, yeah, all <laughs> yeah, right. We might catch fire between <laughs> us. but uh, And Washington County is, you know, a strong Republican county, and uh, that's just the way it is. It's going to be that way. But, you know, the change comes from the top, and it doesn't matter if it's positive change or negative change. It certainly is, comes from the top, and you can see it's easy to go from accolades to ashes quickly. And you've seen that at the state level, the way Washington County can be talked about and different things that have happened. And, you know, I'll go back to employees themselves. You know, the employees that we have, you know, the county has upwards of 800 employees. The city has, you know, upwards of 500, 477 employees or whatever that number is. And between that number of employees, their wives, their children, their families, parents, you have thousands of people out there that are saying this is what Washington County, City of Hagerstown, municipalities are about. And when that's a negative message, that negative message really resounds with a lot of people that say, I don't want to be in Washington County. I don't want to be there. And therefore, you don't have people that will make that type of change. We're fortunate that we have people inside Washington County that were willing to stick their neck out and say, yes, I want to be part of that change and do everything they could to present ideas and uh, actions that they took upon themselves to try to make the county a better place. But again, we're back to a very strong Republican county and it's just not going to change overnight it used to be that there were a lot of democrats in office and you know it was more of a system where uh when they came in everything changed but you know in this case uh we have some good people that are in office now and hopefully uh they'll stand by their campaign promises even you know court <laughs> when court said uh that employees could talk to him obviously there's a chain of command, but when employees find that if they start going through that chain of command before they ever get to the point where they could get to a commissioner or get to the administrator or whoever it may be they need to get to, they already feel like they're going to be terminated or it's going to be retaliated against. That's a problem. How can county government survive like that? And I agree. You, you, you can't. With what Donnie said about, you know, you policies and procedures to be in place that, you know, help them feel more comfortable. That's why people have unions, because they feel protected by some of those things. But, you know, with court at least making that gesture to show, even if no one talks to him, to show that, and getting a cell phone number out there would help with that, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know. But, Greg, is that progress, what I, court did the other day? I mean, do you think that, based on what the last commissioner board, where you, it seems like they just weren't willing to talk or at least be totally transparent, do you think that an incoming commissioner, is that a, is that a step in the right direction? What I think is that you should never be afraid to talk to your government officials. And, you know, I always encourage people to come in and have a conversation about government, which is when I made that joke at the beginning about, you know, should we have shadow figures and such because people said, oh, they're talking about the county. We should be talking about the county. We should be talking about the municipalities because we are part of the electorate. We're the ones that live here. We're the taxpayers. We want to make sure the county is progressive and does well. We want to support our commissioners. We want to support our elected bodies in the municipalities. So we have a, a responsibility ourselves 
to forward that conversation like we're doing now. Right. Well, and when employees feel like they can be part of that mm-hmm. conversation, have mm-hmm. a piece of that pie. Not that I mean, obviously, there's policy procedure and things that they can and can't do, whether you agree with it or not. Sometimes you have to do what you're told, but that all has to change in a positive manner. And at least him saying that shows that there's commissioners out there that are thinking about the employees, thinking about the, the large impact that that has and taking the step to say so. When I started reporting on county government, I look, I don't, I don't have an agenda other than to bring the facts about what is happening just as the newspaper or the television station. And, and I'm, I'm very grateful for the relationships that I have formed in county government because sometimes employees feel like they have no other outlet, okay? So I, 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 since I started reporting, I, Greg and Donnie, I've gotten significant pushback from leadership from top down in so much as they, I mean, they go through people's emails to find out who's talking to minor, who's talking to minor detail, and is this going to be the next article? I mean, you, you told me about um, they, they, they made a, a kind of a, an alert to the county government that, hey, <laughs> Miner's doing this thing here at the Flying Camel tonight. Better watch out. What? Yeah, that's what some of the guys out there said. I said, thank you, Dan. Why is it, Greg, and, and I will say this from personal experience, back in, I think, 2013, I had questions about county government. In fact, I wanted to learn more and to become more involved. And I, I came and we, we talked before and um, had a great conversation. I just asked. I said, hey, do you mind if I come in? I, I can't get a response from the county administrator. I don't think that that, I, I mean, maybe he doesn't want to talk to me, probably. I can't get a response from the chief operating officer. They just won't communicate with me. And it feels like that there's a lack of transparency from, from my perspective is trying to be a journalist, trying to get the facts out. Donnie, what do you think? Even not as a journalist, I, I think here lately they, they have forgotten who they represent and who they're supposed to be working for. Um, somehow, some way, since Greg has been gone, and this isn't because he's sitting next to me. It, the, the, or a Republican. The, yeah, well, yeah, or a Republican. The, the switch flipped somehow to where, and I've had this conversation with county commissioners um, about the accountability to the, the voter, that, that they elect the, the five county commissioners. The staff works under them on the behest of the elected body that was elected by the populace of the county of which they work. It's not the other way around. The county commissioners should not feel that they're working when it was for Greg, when Greg was there, or for Rob Slocum now, or whomever else is in that position in the future. It's the other way around. They are accountable to the voters. Um, From a partisan point, when you started the conversation, where it goes from here, (laughs) I guess we'll find out here in about 18 months. Um, But with with social media and with the, the, the conversation, one thing that I've learned on my time in town council, and this is what I said earlier, preferenced earlier, about getting along with Republican, independent, whatever. You know, as an elected official, and Donna, you've, you've served, you know, you, you got to stake a position. You get a position in your mind. You think it's the right position. And someone brings you information that, that, that maybe you either didn't think of, you didn't put it in your, you know, your analysis of what your position came from, and you got to be able to moderate that a little bit. You know, 
Um, I watched something the other night about how Democrats were always the party of compromise. You know, every time something big came up like this shutdown, you know, they were just waiting for the Democrats to run out and say, you know, we're going to compromise. When did that become a bad thing in government? When did Greg's position on something and mine, because we're a D and an R, if we can find common ground in the middle, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to advance the agenda of the, the public and not a party or an uh, ideology or a thought. It's supposed to be, let's take the best of everything, put it in something, and move forward. Make it happen. Well, I don't think there's a Republican way to fill a pothole. I don't think that there's a Democrat well, way to solve water and sewer issues. Right. And, and another thing make that this, th this shut, yeah, you, you make it happen. You know, and you can argue of how the money comes from where and where it goes. That's the one thing serving on the local level you learn real quick is when you have to look at your neighbor across the street. And Greg lives in, in, in a development in Smithsburg, so he's one of my constituents. So when, when I see Greg at a function and we talk about it, we're talking as constituent to elected official. You know, i got to look at him and go, I'm spending your money in this capacity for this reason, and this is why, and I better have a pretty damn good well reason as to why I'm spending his money. Um, because there, that's, that's the natural checks and balance. Um, we were joking earlier about, you know, um, get it out and vote and everything, and we just saw that in the 2018 midterms. There was a check to what happened in 2016, and now we'll see what happens in 2020 if the check goes too far or doesn't go far enough. And it's the same in county government. Uh, you know, I think it's great that we have two, two fresh county, county um, elected commissioners. And I told them the day that we all sat out at the um, dual highway, run one time. Just run, announce you're going to run one term. That way you're not beholden to anyone. You can have an opinion and a discussion and vote your conscience and move forward. But for some reason, and a lot of it is, is like Greg said, we've been in this cycle because I remember growing up a lot younger when Dick Roulette and Ron Bauer, it was a heavily Democratic um, county commission that has now swung to the right. Um, and I think a lot of that was because we never really felt connected to the liberal governors that were elected in the state. Um, you know, we, we kind of more identify with Western Maryland and West Virginia than we did, you know, um, the O'Malley's and, you know, the, the um, Glenn Dennings and, and those folks. So it's cyclical except for the fact that, like we said, just work it out. Just sit down and go through the pros and cons of the differences and get something done. And that's what's frustrating as a Democrat, Republican, whatever, when I watch TV, just do something that benefits you never look. I learned this from a basketball official. You're not going to please everyone. It's 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 fundamentally impossible. But what you have to do is find the majority, do what's best for the majority, work while bringing those along to try to educate the minority in your thinking, and then trying to compromise and do what's best for what you think is for everyone. Yeah, and I just to add one point. Um, I think most of us follow or, or have some sort of social media. And I made a promise to my wife this year to stay so far away from social media. I have failed miserably because I still want to follow it. <laughs> and every day my wife says, why do, you, you know, why do you get involved in that? And then I'll see her make a comment and I'll say, hon, why do you get involved with that? So it, it's a tit for tat in my house, but my, <laughs> my wife can give people hell and it's scary. Um, <laughs> so I'm scared of her. Um, but... <laughs> 
I follow some of the comments on the Herald Mail. Like anytime Tim Rowland writes an article, my gosh, I mean, they, I, I, I follow this stuff and I'm like, where are these people who think like this? Because if you had actually sat down in front of them, would they be ever inclined to make such ridiculous comments as they do on social media? And, and, and we went through a lot of that with the annexation. Um, and we still get it now to this day on social media when, you know, even the feasibility study, you get a small niche of people that, that just want to complain, want to complain. They don't have the guts, A, to put their name on a ballot. So if, if you don't like something and you want something changed, get active, put your name on a ballot. Because then once you get inside and you see that, look, look I get $1,500 a year serving on the town council, so I'm not going to get rich doing that job. But I try to go back to something. Kristen Alshire and I went to high school together. And he said to me, you know, when he was running, I think it was running for county commissioner, and we were talking, and he said something like, you know, my whole objective to running is to leave a, a footprint for the next group that comes behind me to make my community better. And that's what I've tried to do. Look, me and the former mayor of Smithsburg, Mickey Myers, were completely polar opposite when it came to national politics. She was big, I mean, Republican Central Committee member, was on the Ethics Commission, had been mayor for, seemed like forever, or had been on town government forever. But when an issue came up that we knew that needed to be done for the betterment of our town, we tried to find what it was that would work, and we got it done. Um, and that's, you know, I know we keep harping on it. It sounds so cliche, and it sounds so easy. I'll go back to what I said before. If you don't like what's happening, vote them out. I find it funny that they are or ironic that they take these polls after elections. 95% of people hate Congress, but they keep electing the same people every two years. If you're unhappy, get rid of them. The founders didn't create this to be a – the only one that has a for life is the Supreme Court. If you don't like it, vote them out. They're not guaranteed anything. That's the same way with me. I've, I've run three elections and won you know, three, three terms, so I'm assuming I'm doing something right. Um, and if not, I'm sure my constituent would, would tell me. So, you know, like I said, for these people that are, that are pretty tough that sit behind a computer and can type something, either come to a council meeting, come to a county commissioner meeting, go down to Annapolis and speak to your, your elected official, or put your name on a ballot. Get involved. Yeah. yeah. Misinformation on social media is also a big issue because a lot of the thing, whether it was uh, – uh, your annexation, even Cascade Town Center, those type things, economic development. That misinformation is easy to put out on a blog or, you know, type in somewhere. You but mean fake news? Yeah, fake news. <laughs> but, you know, that's why I always encourage people, come talk to me. You know, when I was in county government, come talk to us. Talk to your elected officials. Don't be silent. There should be the conversation. You shouldn't ever have to worry about talking to an elected official. Are they going to be mad at you, whether it's an employee, whether it's, you know, it doesn't matter. And you look just right in this general area when it talks about economic development and what can happen here, uh, leadership from the top down. And, uh, you know, I'm very glad to see that we have some leaders that are trying to take a position and make things happen. But you have uh, 40,000 people in the city of Hagerstown, the metropolitan area around it, you have another 60. That's 100,000 people out of the you know, 150 in the county right here in this metropolitan area. There's a lot of work to be done here. And when you have that type of leadership that pays attention to the businesses, to the employees, to the people that live here, to what's needed to help these municipalities, to help this core function so that the tax base can increase and you don't have to look at so uh, increases in the tax rate as much, 
that is leadership that's needed. The elected officials have to set the policy. I mean, you have a staff there that once they set policy, if you say, here's the goals, here's our term goals, whatever, you know, pull the trigger, make it happen, then it's staff's job to make it right. happen. And you certainly can't do that with a workforce that's demoralized. Okay. So I'm going to get you guys back in a few months, maybe back uh, in, in May or June. And then I want to get some people from EDC. I want to I want to get our fire and rescue community over here. And then big, I want to big issues. Yeah, these are very big issues. And I I want to talk to the meet and the people who truly make up and f- formulate county government. And these are big issues. So that's that's the future. I want to get our like I said, fire and rescue EDC. There's a lot to talk about the economic development at the county level, um, and as far as bringing jobs, our tax base, how we grow that, how we inspire our our housing values here in Washington County. So I think tonight was an extraordinarily productive conversation. And I see people who tuned in. In fact, I think I saw a few county commissioners tune in um, to the program, which is great. And I'm excited that we have bright minds like yourselves to talk openly and honestly about making Washington County a better place to live for constituents. This will always be my home. This will be your home. This will be your home. And I am so proud of where I grew up. That's what it's about. It's about our community. We all care about our community. That's why we're here. That's why we have these conversations. And that's why this great venue in, I think, Maryland's sixth largest city right here, the Flying Camel, we can have this discussion. So I want to thank you both for taking the time out of your busy schedules to come out and have this conversation. And uh, I want you to come back and, and consider more of these issues. And to the audience who came out tonight, thank you so much for coming over and, and sitting and listening. Julie, thank you for opening up your venue here at the Flying Camel. They have a great menu. They have excellent cocktails. Follow them on social media at the Flying Camel. They're on Facebook. They're on Twitter. They're constantly doing issues. I'd be remiss if I did not mention that next week we will be back again with the Cat Pack, and we are talking about some partisan issues, and I'm excited to have three of their founding members. And we we said it's Super Bowl Sunday, so um, we're thinking maybe this could be like the pre-party to the Super Bowl because I am not a Patriots fan. And and so, yeah, I think that got us the biggest plot. So... I mean, I'm a Steelers fan, and I don't know who. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, again, thank you for coming out. It was a pleasure having you. You can find me on the web at aminordetail.com. I'm also at a Minor Detail Podcast. I have a website, aminordetailpodcast.com. This podcast, this public discussion will be broadcasted in the form of a podcast. We recorded it. And then if anybody wants the video of today, and I'm sure many people do, Um, maybe county government, (laughs) maybe the county administrator. Um, They can find that, and I'll post that as well. So thank you all for coming out today. It's been a pleasure, and thank you to our panelists. Thank you, Ryan. All righty.